0: Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the college and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. The book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. This is the great parable of the sower. And it goes something like this. So, starts off. Mark 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. A crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So we don't know how many people exactly, but a lot. So many that they all sat on the bank of the, the lake and Jesus got in a boat and went out so he could project and speak to all these people. And then verse 2 says, He taught them many things by parables. In his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering some seeds, some fell on the path, and birds came along and ate it. Some fell on rocky places that did not have that much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But as soon as the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along thorns, so that... Uh, they grew up and were choked by the plants, so that they did not bear any fruit. Verse eight. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop. Some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. And Jesus said, "Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear." Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, um, reverently. Asking you to show us um, some truth about parables, your parables, that we might be the ones who can listen and to hear, that we might be the ones that can see and understand, Lord, would you give us wisdom and understanding as we search and seek out your word, your teaching when you were here on earth in parables. We love you, we praise your holy name, you're a good God, and everyone said, Amen. So this month, this month of January, Sunday school, if you're new to Sunday school, we usually do months topics, and this month we're going to talk about parables all this month, the parables of Jesus. But first, let me tell you a story about the importance of stories. It has to do with this coffee shop, Grounds for Coffee, and back in the day, I was at a church as kind of a volunteer leader over the college ministry. I was in college myself, and this new family came to church, and everybody but the son came, and the son was a pretty devout atheist. He hated church, he hated Christians, and he wanted to meet with someone um, to talk just about Christianity. And for some reason, I'm usually the go-to guy still to this day. If someone's like, oh, I got this atheist friend, Joe, you should talk to him. And I don't know how I became that guy, but in some ways I enjoy it. Um, and sometimes a lot of cool things happen and sometimes I just get yelled at for an hour and that's not that cool. Um, which was the case in this situation. We, uh, me and this guy went out to coffee at Grounds for Coffee Coffee Shop and he just started like hounding me with all these questions. He's, he's like, so evolution is totally true. So why does the Bible say God created? That's so dumb. And before I could even answer, he was just throwing out these other questions, which really weren't questions. They were just kind of jabbing little bullet points of, like, these little sarcastic questions. One of the questions was, so new books are coming out all the time. How come your God, the newest book he has is 2,000 years old? Doesn't that seem dumb? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, like, before I could even answer, he threw out another question. It was like, oh, so your God, your God sends people to hell? And it was just on and on, just kind of like that, not having time to respond. He was just really taking out his aggression and anger and maybe hurt on me. And I finally said, okay, let's do something else here. This isn't working. You're just, you know, bugging me. And I'm probably bugging you with my lack of response. And I just said, okay, what's your story? I'll tell you my story. And then you tell me your story. And that's how the rest of this conversation can go. Or we could just leave. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to your story. I'll tell you my story. And I began to tell him I grew up Catholic and uh, was probably just not understanding the faith enough. And when, we, when I was in high school, my family stopped going to church, and I stopped going as well, and came to a point where I, I decided I didn't believe in God, Was for, probably for a very short amount of time was probably an atheist, and then went to a youth group because some friends invited me and began researching like an insane person, God, and who he is, and truth, and how we can know about God, and found, I, I do believe in God, and began serving him, and following him, and I, I, I just kind of explained my testimony, and I said, well, tell me your story, and he said, well, my, he grew up Mormon, and he started to say, like, well, maybe we have similar stories. And there was this, this huge changing point. The, the whole conversation shifted between like this argument kind of thing going on to just listening to each other's stories. And he said, I grew up Mormon. My family was Mormon. And then we stopped going to church uh, when, I, when he was in high school, and they stopped going to the Mormon church. And then all of a sudden, his whole family converted to uh, Protestant Christianity, and they started going to the church that I was 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 going to. And he didn 't go he, he had uh, during that time of not going to the Mormon church and, and, and between the Christian church, he became an atheist, and so he was just really mad and upset with his parents um, for not being Mormon anymore, and he grew up Mormon and was like, "Why would you teach me all that and then say it 's not true and then going to this new church, he was just mad, and he was at this point of of just wanting to know more but having all this anger, and just hearing his story and me telling my story, him telling his story was this huge changing moment that just softened his heart and the power of a story power of our stories our testimonies is huge and he we met again and I invited him to the, the college group I was I was kind of volunteering at and he made some friends and started coming and he became a Christian and it was this turn like looking back in his spiritual journey it was all because I just asked him his story like what's your story and the, and the importance and the power of a story and so today, we're going to talk about parables, the parables specifically of Jesus, and the power of a story. And we'll answer the question of why Jesus taught in parables. So, welcome to the Mill Sunday School. Thanks for coming, everybody. If you're new, there's uh, little cards on your table. Uh, it says, welcome, our guest card. You can fill that out with as much or as little information as you want. Bring it as you leave to the, to the back, and we will give you a gift today. Just for coming we thank you for being here then usually we go to the second service the majority of us sit in section 10 and we're doing section communities so that's a pretty cool place to sit so do that and finally the last announcement probably saved the best for last is that we are doing a winter retreat Woo uh, We've been announcing this, um, so it's the last weekend of this month, the 30th through the 1st. You can get lots of more information online. We're going to go to Woodland Park, uh, Golden Bell. Anybody ever been to Golden Bell Ranch? It's a really cool facility, especially in the winter because they have a tubing hill, and indoor uh, pool, and the whole weekend we are going to focus our attention on God. We are going to go into the mountains, literally, and go with an attitude of, we're here to focus, to worship, to uh, set our eyes on God. And out of that, great things will, of course, happen. We will have fun. We will worship our Creator. And we will do that uh, up in the mountains. So that's the retreat magnified. It's 99 bucks for the first 50 people who register. And I imagine that this week we'll, we might hit that number, and then the price will jump up to 120 So if I was you and you wanted to save $21, you should register this week. If, you have, if you're able to. So do that. You, you do that by going online. You'll, you'll find this, this uh, button on uh, the Mill Sunday School website or on the New Life website. Um, and then you read more information and sign up. So do that. Um, let's talk about stories. As we talk about parables, There was a time in my life when I was graded on how well I could tell a story. Two stories, actually. Uh, It was back in my days of going to Fuller Theological Seminary, working on my master's degree, a master's in divinity, and I was in a a class called homiletics. Do you know what that means? Preaching. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did you know that did you not know that? It's, it's like a fancy word for preaching. But it's a whole class on how to preach. And so we there was this weird little room that was like made to look like a chapel. It was like a fake chapel. Um it had like little rows of chairs, just enough for the class size was just like ten to fifteen people. So it had just enough chairs for ten to fifteen people. There was like this little pulpit, and there was like this fake window, like fake stained glass. It was just a weird little place. It was like set up to be like here's where you can practice how to preach uh and get graded on it it was just a weird little thing and then in the back was a camera that, that would uh record you and then after you were done preaching they would give you a vhs tape of your because that's how the system was and this is like back in 2004 and even then i was like what am i going to do with this vhs tape do i time travel to 1985 to find a working vcr to watch myself and learn um but it's just a weird little thing so hopefully they've updated that room uh since i've gone there but anyways we were told you have a 10 minute sermon you're supposed to preach this sermon and then you're graded on how well you could preach this sermon back in seminary and you had to use two stories in 10 minutes you had to use two stories And that was always a challenge for me because the story had to be a good story, had to fit. It can't just be like a random story that has nothing to do with the message. Had to lead the audience. It had to be uh, relevant and had to engage the audience with these stories. And I just remember thinking, like, what's the big deal with stories? We had a conversation as a class, like the importance of stories. It's like how many of us like stories yes all of us the human experience we are all about stories think about going to the movies and how many movies you see on a daily or monthly yearly basis how many of us go or see movies or dvds or netflix we love americans love movies we spend lots of time and what that really is is a story we as humans we as we we like stories that's just how we're created and think about like you could watch a movie in those 90 minutes you could remember scenes and characters and names and potentially be taught a lesson in that movie i think about like braveheart you could be taught something about courage uh supersize me you could be taught something about eating better uh shawshank redemption you could be taught something about hope um it's a wonderful life you could be taught something about the value and power of friendships and doing good with your life and we love stories Stories teach us lessons in ways that it just transcends factual information. When I was a kid, I liked to um, make things up, <laughs> like lots of kids exaggerate. I'd be like, "Mom, Dad, there's a spider! Come quick!" And my mom and dad would come in. My dad would have like a little tissue ready to get the spider, and they were like, "Where's the spider?" I'd be like, "I, I don't know. It just must have went away." I just. I don't know it's the craziest thing. <laughs> and so my dad, I, I would do this kind of thing, and my son does it too. I could tell you a story about yesterday, but I won't. Um, it's just the, the nature of kids and making up stuff. And so my dad would tell me the story of the boy who cried, "Wolf. Do you know that story?" He would instead of like teaching me he was like, "If there's not a spider, don't say there's a spider," he would say, "There was this little boy that was bored, and he was out watching sheep. And he thought it would be really fun to go into the town and say that there was a wolf. And so he goes into the town screaming, there's a wolf. And all the townspeople get their stuff together. They go out to the field and see that there's no wolf. The boy had made it up. And they're like, oh, you fooled us. You got us. And some time passed and the little boy got bored again. So he thought, oh, I'll do that again. That was pretty fun. So he goes into town and says, there's a wolf out in the field. Oh, it's going to get all my sheep. And the townspeople get together. They go out there. There's no wolf. And then, lo and behold, some time passes, and a real wolf comes down to the field of sheep. And what's the boy do? He goes into the town and says, this time there really is, it's a real wolf, but nobody moves. They've fooled me once, they've fooled me twice, not a third time. And so the boy sees all the sheep getting eaten, and in one version of the story, the boy himself gets eaten by a wolf uh, that really frightened me as a kid. And it was a lesson that stuck with me. It's like my dad took the time to, to not just say, hey, don't lie about spiders if there's not a spider. Don't do that. Uh, he told me a story, and that the story stuck with me for a very long time. So the discussion question I would like for you to talk about is this. Um, at your table, and if you're sitting at a small table, jump right into a big table. They will let you, I promise um, The discussion question is this. Think about a story, and it could be a current story. It doesn't have to be a super spiritual story, uh, but it can be. Uh, What's a story that taught you a lesson? If you're drawing a blank, think about a movie or a book or uh, maybe a story you were told when you were little that you just remember the lesson. So, think about a story. Talk to somebody around you. Ready, cassette, discuss. Discuss. So I walked around and some, uh, this table said the Bible story stood out to them, like, uh, what'd you say, Jonah and the whale, like, don't run away from God or else you get eaten by a fish. That's a good lesson to know. Uh, but the, this table over here had a couple different personal stories, like the real life events that happened to them, and oh, it now becomes their story and they learn from it. This table said Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's great that we all, and some of you drew a blank. I walked around, I was like, man, I don't know. And that's pretty normal to draw a blank. But the way stories teach us, it's not like math class. Stories have the ability to move us emotionally, and we learn lessons. Like, math class is like facts and numbers, and you've probably never cried in math class, um, unless you were failing or something. Maybe you have cried. But there's there's probably a good... Chance that every single person in here has probably at some point cried during a movie, even the guys, uh, because stories have this powerful way of moving us. And Jesus, of course, being God, knew that. And so the title of this next little section of sermon is Jesus the Great Storyteller. And we could confidently say that no one in history tells stories like Jesus, no one in history is known for telling stories quite like Jesus. So much of his ministry was telling parables and stories. And maybe we will learn of some other person in history that also maybe taught like Jesus, and they had great stories too. Or maybe someone in the future will be known as this great storyteller. But right now, it's like Jesus really is the... Whenever you talk about parables, even in the secular sense, you're like, oh, parables of Jesus, of course, because Jesus taught in parables. Here's the picture of Jesus speaking uh, a picture, a painting of the parable of the sower. He, he, there he is in the boat, out telling a story. And it's like every time he goes to teach, he, he teaches in a story. Every time someone, at, not every time, pretty much, when he's asked questions, he responds in a story. It would be like someone asking you, hey, should I go to fall retreat? And they say, there was two men. <laughs> two lumberjacks. One lumberjack, both lumberjacks were paid by how much wood they could cut down. One lumberjack took a weekend every quarter and spent that time sharpening his tools and getting, mending his clothes and sharpening the axe and getting his tools ready, which you would think would be a waste of time, you know, taking away from the work he could do. But the other, the other lumberjack He worked right through, and you would think that the lumberjack who didn't stop and take a break would cut down more trees, but you'd be wrong. The guy who stopped for a weekend once a quarter uh, was able to cut down more trees than the other lumberjack. (laughs) you're like, so should I go to fall retreat or not? (laughs) But you get it, don't you? Like, oh, yeah, I get that. It's, that that'll that probably stick with you other than, you know, like I could tell you facts. Like, oh, it's it, we're going to be there for this amount of time. We're going to talk about this. And Aaron Meadows is going to do worship. And I could list all these facts. But the story has this way of captivating us in such a way that moves us. And it's like, yeah, I, I get that. You're not telling me something. It's like you're showing me something. And that's much better. And that's the way Jesus taught. So here's our nerd alert of the day. Thank you. Uh, which is how many parables are there? It's an interesting question and it's a very debatable question of how, just how many parables are there in the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. How many are there? And it's kind of an interesting way of how you go about counting. It kind of like, for some of you, this is like your world and you get really uh, irate about this. How many of you are into Colorado 14ers? Anybody ever done a Colorado 14er? Okay, I see some hands. If you. into that world of Colorado 14ers, you get into this debate and discussion over how many 14ers are there. And you're like, how can that be a debate? You just count them. Like, how many mountains are over 14,000 feet? You count them up. Duh. But then you get into some mountains that have, like, uh, different humps, like three or four humps that are all above 14,000 feet. And then you have to answer, is that actually one mountain? Is that two mountains? Is it, like, three mountains in a mountain range? Or is that just one mountain? And then some people have come to like rules of like, oh, there has to be 300 feet of pro- uh, what's it called, prominence between the peaks. And if there's not that 300 feet, then it's considered one peak. And then there's, the, so there's some numbers out there that are as high as like 60. There's 60 14ers in Colorado, and some numbers as low as 53. And so if you are the person that did all 60, then you look at these chums that only did the 53, and you're like, you didn't do all of them. I did all of them. And there's this big debate. And that's somewhat like the parables. Like, some of the parables have different points within the parables. And you would say, oh, is that two parables or one parable with two points? Or when Jesus tells the same or very similar parable in Matthew and Mark, um, is that the same parable, or is it two different parables? seems like he 's talking to a different person? Maybe he told the story twice. Is that one parable with a different different uh, um, i don 't know details or is it the same parable? Is it different parables? What is it? How many parables are there high end numbers are as high as sixty five parables, and that would include um, like word pictures. Like when Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, I'll remain in you. My father is the great gardener. He cuts off every branch that does not bear in me, uh, that does not bear any fruit. Um, Is that a parable or is that more of a word picture? Well, if you count it as a parable, you'd get the number like 65 parables. And then what about like very short, like one-liners? Like when Jesus says, um, if you see a speck in your neighbor's eye make sure you to remove the plank coming out of your own eye first. Is that a parable, or is that just like a one-sentence word picture? Well, if you count it as a parable, you're going to hit that high number of 65. Some of the low numbers are in the 30s, um, 40s. Uh, a good range is somewhere around 50. I see that again and again in my research of how many parables are there. Here's a little graph. This, this has um, This is a chart of about 55 parables, depending on how you break them up. But it's interesting that uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have all the parables: twenty-three in Matthew, eight in Mark, twenty-four in Luke, and zero in John. And that's the, the using this this definition of a parable would be a longer narrative, uh, a true parable, rather than the word pictures or just the the allegories that Jesus often says. But despite John, and that might be news to you, like, really, no parables in John? It's like, really, no, I mean, there's some word pictures, I am the vine, you're the branches, that's in John. But there's no point in which Jesus sits down and tells a story like in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And despite there being no parables in the book of John, listen to this, one-third of all the words of Jesus are in a parable. So if you look up, the, does anybody have a red letter version of the Bible? If you have a red letter version, all those red letters, one third of those red letters are in a parable. Is that crazy to you? Well worth our study. So we're taking a month and we're going to talk about parables. We're going to look back at the parable of the sower right now because Jesus tells this parable. His disciples come to him and say, what does that parable mean? He explains it. And he also kind of talks about why he speaks in parables. So it's a great parable for us to start off with this month and looking at. So if you could turn to, back to Mark, we, we read already Matthew, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter four, one through nine, the parable of the sower and the four different soils the seed falls onto, the path, the, the stony ground, the thorn bush, and then the good soil. And then look at this. Mark 4, 9 through 20. The rest of the verses have disciples of Jesus coming to him and asking him about the parable. He explains the parable. And then he says why he speaks in parables. And that is what I want you to discuss at your table. So um, we've already read Mark 4, 1 through 9. So at your table, assign someone, or better yet, uh, (laughs) don't just assign someone. Uh, (laughs) volunteer yourself, and read Mark 9 through 20. And here's what I want you to do. This is like Bible study 101. This is, if if you've ever been in a Bible study, uh, chances are it it took this kind of format where you just read the passage, you look at it, and then you start talking about it. It's like, oh, I see this. Uh, I see that in the passage. What do you think this means? Oh, this this reminds me of this passage. So that's what I want you to do. So someone read um, 9 through 20 at your table and then discuss it. Ready? Get set. Discuss. Does anyone want to start us off? Mr. Josh over here. I overheard what Josh had to say and it was pretty genius. Alright, so um, our table was talking about the the passage where Jesus is talking about why he talks in parables. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, I, I talk in parables so that you guys can understand, but those on the outside can't. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, that's pretty interesting to tell someone something and... (laughs) Why are you telling me this way? So you won't understand. Understand, (laughs) yeah. But it's it's so that um, if you tell someone they're wrong outright... They won't listen. They won't listen. You offer them the ability to engage in a story that brings them to the conclusion... Chances are much better that they're wrong yeah they can can engage yeah Yeah. like the atheist friend I started off with good yeah thank you Josh who else yes sir Um, I was just looking at I've seen this read this parable a number of times and most of the time I apply it in in a way that's uh, general like saved not saved Yeah. like the different soils uh, focus on people that are saved or not saved if you're the good soil you're saved if you're one of the other soils soils, you kind of miss it but I kind of was looking through my life and seeing times that I've been the thorny soil or I've been the rocky soil, and just the way I've responded to the Word of God in my life. If I'm dealing with a lot of worries, I could be like the thorny soil where somebody sure. speaks in my life the Word of God, but I don't exactly accept it because it's because I'm going through a time of worry and allowing that to take control rather than yeah. the Word of God. Yeah, I've, I've also heard this parable many times, and I've heard different interpretations of what... This parable could be the the, the soils could represent different people or your own heart at different times. And what I want to focus on is what Josh brought up, that that Jesus says this interesting line. He says it like this, that they may be ever ever seeing but never perceiving, and they're hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So Jesus says, here's why I teach in parables. And looking at it, you might think, ohs He's saying, I teach in parables so that people don't understand. That's a weird reason to teach in parables, don't you think? And what he's doing here is, is he's quoting directly from, anyone know? Isaiah chapter 6. And so we're going to look at that passage and try to figure out more context here, because it seems somewhat, it's like another mystery on top of a mystery. Like the parable itself is a mystery. Why do you teach in parables? Well, let me give you another mystery, which is a quote from Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah chapter 6 starts off with God appearing to Isaiah. And if God appeared to you, your response might be this. Isaiah says, I'm ruined. I'm unclean. Uh, People around me are unclean. I am ruined. Have mercy on me. And a, a, a seraphim comes and touches Isaiah's lips, and he's made clean, then God says, who will go speak for me? And Isaiah, Isaiah says, I will go, send me. It's very like, it's a humble, he, he was just humbled. So it's not like I, he's proclaiming how great he is. He's just saying, I'll go. And God says, say this. So Isaiah chapter 6, the full verse is this. So God says, Isaiah, go tell the people this, that they will be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving. That's what Jesus says. And then here's some more. Make the hearts of his people callous, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. That's the other part Jesus quotes. Then I said, this is Isaiah, how long, Lord? So this is like some bad news. God says, Isaiah, go tell these people bad news, that their hearts are going to be hardened. And Isaiah says, well, how long is this going to be? And it continues. And it's some more bad news. Until the cities lie in ruin and without inhabitation, and the houses are left deserted, and the fields, and all these, the land remains in ruin. But verse 13 says, but as the terebinth, which is a type of tree, and the oak, another type of tree, leaves stumps, when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. So this b- the bad things are going on, but God is still there. God is present. And just like a stump is a reminder of something glorious that used to be, and it's still there, God is still working, and God will be that stump, that reminder. So like, that's interesting. And you turn a couple more pages in Isaiah, and this idea of the stump is there once again. Isaiah chapter 11 is this prophetic uh, messianic prophecy of a shoot coming right out of a stump. And of course, Jesus fulfills that prophecy of the shoot coming out of the stump. So in some ways, you could, you could say, Jesus is quoting Isaiah, that the people are going to be hardened and they don't want to hear, they don't want to understand but God is telling them a parable so that that will be this great reminder to them and ultimately a shoot will come out of that stump. It's a mystery embedded in some mystery here but what I want to argue is that parables are not nice, cute, little stories. Parables are meant to separate. Maybe something like this. I found a Google image of a bunch of fish and one jumping to the, to the other bowl. This representation that parables are meant to separate the believers from the non-believers, the, the boys from the men, the girls from the women. They're not meant to be cute little stories. If you ask a good uh, speaker, like someone who's into public speaking, like, why do you use stories? And they should. If they're good at speaking, they'll, they'll use stories. That's what good speakers do. And they'll probably say, oh, to engage the crowd, to entertain, to use as a tool to get to my point. And Jesus doesn't say that he speaks in parables to entertain people. Jesus does not say that he speaks in parables to engage the crowd. Jesus says he speaks in parables so that there's like this dividing line between those who can believe and those who do not believe. So once again, parables are not cute little stories meant to entertain us. They they cut right to our heart and ask us, knock on the door of our heart and say, do you believe this or do you not? Um, The quote of today, I put a sweet quote. uh, There's usually a sweet quote on the back of your notes. It's by a theologian from the University of Notre Dame. And he says this. I really like the, the confidence in which he says that Jesus' parables serve to tease the mind of his audience, to throw them off balance and challenge them to decide for or against his claim on their lives, The parables are not pretty Sunday school stories. They are troubling riddles meant to destroy any false sense of security and create a fierce feeling of urgency. That's why Jesus speaks in parables. To separate, to to make certain in people's minds, are you tracking here with him? A parable is, is taught in such a way, it's like, I could tell you some facts, or I could tell you a parable. And if you're really interested and you really believe, you will be like the disciples and come to Jesus and say, What does that mean? I'm intrigued. I'm fascinated. I know that what you're speaking is true. Would you tell me more? Would you enlighten me? Would you give me wisdom and understanding so that I might see and believe? And so, in conclusion, I had this um, youth pastor way back in high school, and he would always say this line. And I I thought he made it up, but it turns out I've seen it other places too, but he's kind of just copying it. But he never quoted it as himself. But he would always say, the greatest distance is the 18 inches from your head to your heart. Have you heard that before from a high school youth pastor or somebody? I like that saying, that the greatest distance is the 18 inches from your head to your heart. That we could know something to be true. We could... um, know the facts, we could know the theological stuff. I mean, we, we kind of joke that Sunday school, those of us that get up early on a cold Sunday morning to come hear a lecture, a uh, sermon, very nerdy, and that's a good thing. And for many of us, like our head knowledge is, we, we hold that to be important, and we should. But there's this difference between knowing something and believing it in your heart, and I think we as nerds, I know I myself have sometimes a hard time internalizing like the heady knowledge that I have. And Jesus speaks in parables so that you can't, you can't make that mistake. The parables cut right to the heart. These stories are called to internalize our beliefs and make us think with our hearts. So let's, let's maybe quiet our hearts. I'm going to close this in prayer as we think about this story and why Jesus speaks in parables and We'll spend the rest of the month talking about parables and the way Jesus taught. So God, we come before you and and we ask for ourselves that we may be the ones who see and perceive, that we may be the ones who listen with our hearts, that we might be the ones who do not have calloused hearts, that that we might turn and be healed like Isaiah chapter 6 says, that we may call on your name That you may have mercy upon us. Give us your wisdom and understanding. And as we research and look at these parables, may they not just enter into our minds for knowledge's sake, but may they travel the 18 inches or so to our hearts that we may know you fully and understand you and your ways and your kingdom. So we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. You're a good God, and we worship you. Amen. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the College and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward Sunday School.